You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we are talking specifically about stabilizers with Ricky Bruley of Stoker Eye Stabilizers. Now, we get into what makes their uh, stabilizer so special, uh, and then we have a really good conversation about what stabilizers actually do. Uh, how you can benefit from them and we break it all down and so that's what today's podcast is about if you guys are gear nuts you're going to love this if you're uh, uh, more of an archer less bow hunter more archer i don't know if you, if those two things are mutually exclusive or not but uh, if you are a, a, a tweaking nerd uh, this might be the episode for you so with that said i'm going to get right into the commercials here today and there's just one we got to send a shout out to our family over at HuntStand. HuntStand is the most popular, or is the most popular and, and most popular downloaded app, hunting app uh, that they have. And a lot of it has to do with the amount of functionality that this app has that others do not, and the affordability. So not only uh, is it more affordable, but it has more functionality. So that's a win-win. It has up-to-date, up-to-date satellite imagery. It has, oh geez, what else does it have? It, it, it's got the Pro Whitetail upgrade package that you can go check out as well. And so the best thing to do is go to HuntStand.com, read up on all the functionality that HuntStand offers, and check out the Pro Whitetail platform. So uh, go take care of that at HuntStand.com. Really quick intro. Let's get into today's episode with Ricky Bruley. Three, two, one. All right, on the Hunting Gear Podcast with me today, Mr. Ricky Bruley. Ricky, what's up, man? How's it going, bud? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think the name Ricky is awesome. And when <laughs> I close my eyes and I envision the name Ricky, I envision a closing pitcher like Ricky Vaughn from the movie. <laughs> uh, what's that movie called? I forget it. Uh, Major League. Yep. Just there a badass. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, you probably are like, God, this guy's a dumbass. <laughs> no, no. Full disclosure, I was actually named after uh, uh, Little Ricky from I Love Lucy. Okay. The the, yep. the, the, son, the little son. Yeah. Yep. So that's yep. where my name came from. <laughs> so I had a bit of a scare earlier this morning and last night. Oh. Yeah. So I applied for Kansas and applied for uh, 
applied for Kansas and I applied for South Dakota. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I lost my wallet and I had to read like get new cards, right? Cancel all those cards and get new cards. Well, Kansas and South Dakota both had my old card. And so South Dakota was trying to pull money and obviously that card doesn't exist anymore. So Mm -hmm. I had a scare like today would have been the last possible day to do it in order to get. So those uh, two states get paid. And so, oh man. So uh, there was a moment there where I, I had kind of an oh shit moment where it was just like, oh my God, <laughs> both states are not going to happen now because of this, this clerical error, I guess you would call it. Have, have you ever had a scenario like that go down? Uh, not, not quite to that extent, you know, just where, um, you know, cause I have a tendency to kind of put some things off and then all yeah. of a sudden it's like, last second last minute you know putting in an application i did that for colorado this year and you know so that's probably about the closest thing i think bear hunting um in wisconsin too you have to apply for those tags and every single year like i get it in just 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 at the wire you know and thankfully they you know the the state sends me an email you know quick reminder hey don't forget because this area that i want to hunt bears in wisconsin takes almost 10 years to draw so um i started applying or started yeah i started applying when i was 30 now i'm 42 i missed like four years because you know it's like all of a sudden i get the notification i'm like man i don't i don't think i put my application in for last year so i missed like four years in between so if i hadn't done that i would i would i'd have my tag probably by now dang so just (laughs) just imagine and i'm sure it happens every year Let's say like a Montana breaks elk, uh, archery elk tag. Those are, yeah. I, I think you have to have minimum 13 years or something like that to go or, or one of these sheep hunts and you draw the tag and then yeah. something happens and you just, just don't get to go. Like yeah. that so, would, that would, that would just imagine how mad some of those people would get. Right. Oh yeah. It'd be terrible. Yeah. I mean, all that time spent, you know, yeah. what's nice is that some States now are, are allowing you to give them back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of cool. I think Colorado does that. And then um, there's another uh, buddy of mine that um, drew a tag, I think is an elk tag in, I can't remember. It was either New Mexico or Arizona mm-hmm. and he's, his shoulder's bad now, so he can't draw his bow backs, but he was able to relinquish his tag back into the pool. Yeah. Um, and I think he still maintains his points and everything. It's just, they just redraw that tag for somebody else. So yeah, that's kind of cool. That's a good thing because there's so many things that can happen in a year, you know, with sickness and in, you know, kids and just life in right. general where, yeah. you know, Hey, I got this, but I can't go. You know, I can't go do it now. So (laughs) whatever, whatever. Um, One thing that I don't talk about on this particular podcast, or I I know I've talked about it before, but not into any great detail. Mm -hmm. And that's stabilizers. And you guys, Stokerized. Okay, so it's Vapor Trail and Stokerized are are under the same umbrella of companies, correct? That's correct. Yep. Okay. So, how many mm-hmm. years has Stoker Eye Stabilizers been a been a thing? Uh, gosh, I couldn't tell you how long exactly, but I know 
Um, so we uh, acquired Stoke Rise in 2021. Okay. And they had been around for, I would say, at least a decade mm-hmm. up to that point. Uh, Kyle Stokes is the original founder. And then um, his partner, Sean Lutz. And um, they they built a really good brand. Yeah. And um, especially, you know, they did some really innovative things for the, for the hunting uh, side of things. And, um, you know, it just kind of got to a point where, you know, I think the market just get got so saturated with stabilizers. It got really difficult to compete, all that kind of stuff. And uh, Kyle owns a, a, a pro shop uh, out in Pennsylvania called Swatara Creek. And uh, his focus really got kind of uh, switched over to to the pro shop and they got into doing some e-bikes and stuff like that. And so their attention kind of went off of the stabilizers for a few years. Yeah. And we had had a relationship with them up to that point for quite some time. I'd been shooting Stoke Rise stabilizers for at least five or six years, something like that. Yeah. And so they, it was a perfect fit because of all the customization. You know, we, we thrive on that with our arrow rests and the different colors with our bowstring. So it just, it was just a perfect fit. Gotcha. Okay. Almost just like that, that, skew that vapor trail did not have a grasp on and with that accusation came everything you needed from a stabilizer yep exactly gotcha yep. okay all right and so so they've been around for 10 years what makes stokerized uh, stabilizer because here's what i see i see something that sticks out the end of the bow you call it a stabilizer right i don't yeah. know anything about it what makes a stabilizer good well, there's a, it, it's kind of dependent upon the personal preference of the shooter. Uh, so we try to have multiple options that can accommodate everybody, right? So I would say for the majority of hunters, they want, they probably just want something to put on the bow that's going to help reduce some of the vibration of the riser. And so that's typically where you see, you know, just a little, you know, probably short four, maybe five, six inch rubberized stabilizer out the front. And, uh, but for the more serious shooter, you know, you can, you can better balance your bow, uh, to help with your accuracy, um, with, with other options. So there's, um, you know, you can, with some of our carbon stabilizers that we have, they're really lightweight and you can extend your weight out further, um, and get that weight out a little bit further. That adds a little bit more stability, but you're not, um, adding a whole lot of bulk or weight to the bow. Uh, and stiffness is really important with the carbon shafts. That's what a lot of people want. Cause if, if it's not, if it's not real stiff, you get a little, lot of wobble out in the end. And then that kind of defeats the whole purpose of the, uh, of the stabilizer in and of itself. So, okay. uh, so there's a lot of different things, you know, we have, we have a patent on the, um, acrylic material for a stabilizer. And those are the, uh, that's the stabilizer that we have all the, the variety of colors in. Okay. And, um, that's actually the best dampening product as far as uh, you know a, a shaft on a stabilizer on the market so we found that they uh they have the best dampening by uh sound and vibration properties than any other uh, material on the market so that's one area where we kind of stand out okay all right so you mentioned customization uh elaborate a little bit on how stoker i specifically how you're able to customize uh, your your setup? So we've got you know, we've got just like your standard straight stabilizer that either comes out the front of the bow, or if you have like a uh, an offset bracket 
that you can attach to come out the, um, you know, the rear of the bow. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've got that series. Then we've got another series called the SS1. So there's an offset bracket and that offset bracket holds the shaft of the stabilizer in place and you can actually slide the stabilizer forward and back. So you can shift that weight further forward or you can shift it further back. Um, and by having weight further back, it acts the same way as it would if you had weight way out in the front. It acts similarly, but now you don't have this big long stabilizer sticking out the front of your bow. So if you're climbing into a tree or you're, you know, you're doing a spot in stock or something like that, you get the same properties as a really long stabilizer, uh, but on a shorter platform. And the nice thing about that offset bracket is now you would set it up on the opposite side of the bow that say your arrow rest and your sight and your quiver are on. So that offsets that weight of the bow. So you can, and, and you can swing that out, uh, a little bit further or you know keep it in tight depending on on the weight of your accessories and so it helps balance that all out a little bit better okay uh so so break break it down for me someone who's stupid uh what does a stabilizer actually do like i said before it has uh two main functions one is to balance the bow and the other is to reduce vibration which okay. then in turn also reduces noise yeah okay so I, I look at something as balance as really, okay, so I'll, I'll take a backward step here. I was told by someone that a stabilizer that's four inches, and this guy, I would say I respect his thoughts and I understand, mm -hmm. like, he's very knowledgeable about archery and compound bows and whatnot. Anything that's four inches or inside does not serve a stabilization purpose is that a fault like is that a accurate comment uh well i mean yes and i i think you know it, it depends there's a lot of different factors right because you could put a four inch stabilizer on the end of your bow and then you could add a ton of weight to it mm -hmm. so that could effectively change the way that the bow is going to balance or especially like after you uh release the arrow mm -hmm it's going to change the way the bow falls away from your hand on the shot, um, which is also something that you want to take into consideration with the stabilization. You want to, everybody's a little bit different. Some people like to have the bow just kind of, when you shoot, they like to just have it not really move. Some people really like to have the bow kind of fall forward, all those kinds of things. I mean, more, most importantly, it's that you have a loose grip and all that kind of stuff. But so to answer that question, um, for the most part, I think, yeah, if, you know, if you're going to put a stabilizer on there, you probably want to go a little longer than that. You know, okay. we've got a, we have a five inch stabilizer and, uh, and just so that we can accommodate some of those more compact setups that people want. But typically, you know, our best sellers are eight inch, 10 inch, um, and actually even longer stabilizers have been getting more popular. And even in the hunting area where some guys are shooting 11, 14, even, mm -hmm. So, um, and me personally, I don't like to have it that, I don't like to have the stabilizer that long. So I like to use an offset bracket where I can slide the stabilizer back behind the riser and you still get a similar effect that way. You still get similar balance. Okay. And so you, you mentioned in that conversation about how a bow will fall away from you or it could potentially fall back towards you, um, mm -hmm. once the arrow is released. What is the difference in, is, is that just personal preference or, or does it actually serve a purpose to have your weight in front of the bow or behind the bow? 
like I said, either either way, whether you have it in front of the bow or behind the bow, it can have still have a similar effect. And every bow is a little bit different mm -hmm. too. So I think the conventional thinking is, and when you see like, especially um, like professional, like recurve shooters, you'll see when they shoot that they let that bow fall forward completely. I mean, they literally aren't, there's only just like a little loop that's between their fingers that holds the bow to their hand. They let it just fall forward. And, you know, again, like, I think that's kind of the traditional thinking, how, um, how it's taught and kind of what you want. And everybody's a little bit different. Uh, but ideally I think that's, that's kind of how you want your bow to react. I like mine to, to just kind of sit there. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't really want, I don't really need it to fall forward or anything like that. I found that I can, as long as I've got the right weight and I'm balanced properly, um, I don't really want the bow to kick back at all, but I, I just, I either want it to be steady in my hand or maybe go forward just a little bit, but I most certainly like as far as left to right, I want it to just come straight out of my hand. Yeah. That's one thing that always kind of surprises me. I've se I've seen some guys with some setups, you know, for target archery or they're just, you know, backyard shooters and they have a real mm -hmm. long, um, have a, a real long stabilizer. Yeah. Now, you mentioned it's getting more popular on the hunting side of things too. Um, mm -hmm. When you're in a tree, let's say, not necessarily a, a ground blind, but I'm sure that comes with its own set of challenges. But yeah. if you're in a tree, is there, and you're shooting at an angle now, do you have to compensate or or change your, your adjustment of your stabilizer for a, a downward shot versus a, you know, a straight backyard target shot? Uh, well... I don't know if you necessarily have to change it. I think that it's important that you shoot, uh, that you practice mm -hmm. both ways. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to be shooting from a tree stand and you have, you know, a kind of a, an idea of typically how high you're going to be up in the tree, it's always good to practice that way just so you can, so you know how it feels. Obviously if your bow is tilted downwards, you're going to have less, uh, less of a downward force on your bow on, you know, out on the end, because, you know, that stabilizer is now kind of pointing down. So gravity is having a little less effect on it, I, I think. Mm -hmm. And so I've never had to like really in my head go, okay, you're in a tree now. So make sure that you aim differently or, you know, and I've never had to like change my sight or do anything like that. It's just, it's always important to shoot in all the different scenarios that, you know, you may be shooting in uh, just to make sure that you know how that feels, you know? So a lot, that's why a lot of guys are now going to um, some of the, you know, the total archery challenges and some of these um, mountain shoots where it really tests your skills up and down because yeah. that's really important. And, and in all, all reality, the most important thing in those types of shots is that your third axis um, leveling is, is set up properly on the site of the bow. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. By adding in, so so the sight and the rest, they obviously play two huge roles. And if you adjust one, you have to adjust the other. Okay. Yep. If you throw a stabilizer on your bow, does that impact the sight or the rest? It, it most certainly could uh, have an effect on your point of impact, for sure. Because, you know, one thing that I've noticed is, you know, when I really started getting, uh, putting a lot of attention in stabilizers, uh, you know, like you had said before, target shooters are using them. So obviously there's something to that, mm -hmm. right? So, 
so when I really started to kind of dive in and this was, this was long before, um, you know, uh, we had acquired Stoker eyes, but, and I was p- playing around with all kinds of different stabilizers just to kind of get a different feel. But when I found the right balance for my bow, uh, my groups did tighten up. Yeah. And so what that means to me is it, it may not necessarily change your point of impact, but it may mean that your bow is now not as forgiving as it could be. Uh, so your groups might open up a little bit. You might not be as steady. Your arrow is going to maybe, you know, not hit that X. It might be, you know, an inch over here or an inch over there instead of, you know, being really tight in on the X. So having the proper balance in your bow can really tighten up your groups. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so when a guy is at full draw, okay, and we've talked about the damp, you know, you, you mentioned dampening, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now th- talking about the the sight window and what that yep. what that pin is actually doing mm-hmm. and you know for me I struggle personally I do not shoot a stabilizer and it's that it's trying to get it get it to the point where I'm at full draw the pin is perfect it, it's you know not as much movement and I found find mm-hmm. that the more I shoot the less movement pin movement I have and so right, yep. does is a stabilizer supposed to help with that pin movement to slow it down or to eliminate it? It certainly could. Again, it, you know, and it could work against you if you don't have it balanced properly. Okay. And so so much of that comes with just playing around with stuff, trying different weights. Um, and you can, you know, there's all kinds of videos out there that can say, well, you know, um, if, if this is the issue that you're having, try putting more weight here or try doing this or try, you know, yeah. extend it out a little bit, that sort of thing. Um, but again, you, you know, you always want to, uh, you know, you always want that, uh, pin to just kind of be able to float around, uh, in there, you know, and, um, some people kind of have a different, you know, I've heard of guys say that they just, they kind of try to figure eight their pin within the, you know, the X that they're trying to shoot at things like that, which I don't, I don't focus so much on, on, that deeply on it you know i just try to get the pin on there just let it float around in there and then as soon as i'm floating in that circle perfectly where i want it then i you know let it fly and 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 arrow hits where i want it to so gotcha all right so on a site or a rest each adjustment causes the arrow to do something different okay yeah um Mm -hmm. how do you know how like yeah, there's videos out there that show that that show and all these things, but yeah. how how does a guy know whether he needs to put more weight behind him or more weight in front of him or needs a shorter stabilizer or a longer stabilizer? Yeah, again, it's kind of a tough a tough thing to answer because uh, again, and I, I'll just speak from my own personal experience, is that if I'm you know, if I'm shooting and I'm, and I just don't feel like my pin is settling in really good. If I'm, if my groups are kind of opened up, mm-hmm. cause I, I know what I have the ability to do as far as uh, my shooting skills. And when I have the proper setup, uh, I know how, how I can shoot. And then of course, you know, there's always other factors, you know, if right. you're shooting outside, there's all kinds of other things that could go on there. Right. So you always got to be mindful of that. Maybe I'm just uh, having an off day, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's not always necessarily the equipment, but again, to go back to the question that you asked, uh, it's, it's more for me just kind of experimenting and kind of playing around, you know, yeah. um, if I feel like the bow is kind of 
kicking back on the shot a little bit, then I want to either extend my stabilizer out or add some weight to the end um, to ensure that the bow stays either steady or, or falls a little bit forward. Gotcha. And the same thing goes for the left to right too. You know, if, if my bow is, you know, kind of tipping to the right as I shoot, you know, because of all the weight that I have on that side of the bow with all the accessories, then I can take, if I've got an offset bracket on it, I can just swing that weight out just a little bit. And I just do it incrementally until when I shoot, the bow doesn't tilt on me when, on the shot. So again, like, you know, like you said, there, there are some videos and there are, there are some standards that you can do. Um, but I think it's, it's for the most part, it's, it's pretty straightforward. You know, if you want your yeah. bow to fall forward, add more weight or extend your stabilizer out. If you want it to, you know, if you, if it's, if it's too aggressive that way, then you can, you know, do the opposite. So. Gotcha. So it has a, it has an impact throughout the entire shot process unlike a a sight or a rest is really its main focus is during the shot right yeah. you know settling the pin releasing the arrow and those two specific things have um you know they have their own role through throughout the you know just right. before the shot versus a stabilizer from what you just described sounds like it is before, during and after it's, it's throughout the entire process that can impact how, how everything works. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And so much of it is, is dependent upon, you know, your skill level and how far you're shooting too. Right. Um, so that's the challenging part about stabilizers is, is the, you know, the majority of the market, you know, they're, they're hunters that probably aren't shooting super far. Mm -hmm. And so the necessity to have all these different, you know, uh, weight options and playing with things, uh, it, it's not, you know, it's not necessary, uh, but there's an increasing number of people that are really trying to extend their range. Yeah. And so there's a need for all of that. And, and again, especially in, in the, um, in the area of the 3d shoots with the, you know, the long range stuff uphill, downhill, that's where that stabilization really, uh, can play a critical role in your accuracy. Yeah. I just had something popping into my head, more of an idea, but adding weight to a bow in order to help you build up muscle and muscle memory and then removing that bow, that weight during a hunt that allows you to hold the bow steadier just, just from the standpoint that it's, it's lighter. Is that a, is that a thing at all? Uh, well, I mean, I, I get the train of thought there and that, yeah. you know, you've built up the stabilizer muscles cause that's, that's really the thing that I think the key that's kind of important, but also so much of it is your form, mm -hmm. you know, having the proper grip, all of those things that, that play a role in that. But for me personally, I feel like it would be somewhat detrimental because now you're used to shooting the bow with right. the balance that it has. And now you just pulled all of that off. It's going to yeah. change it's going to change some things. So yeah. doesn't necessarily uh, mean that the statement you made isn't true. Yeah. Um, I, cause I've never tried it. So, uh, but just in, in theory, the way that I would, uh, envision it, that it is, it would have a detrimental effect on my shooting if I just took everything off. Okay. Now talking to someone like my, uh, myself, not necessarily a stokerized pitch, but just a, a stabilizer pitch in general, 
to mm. somebody who does not sh- currently shoot a stabilizer? Uh, well, basically, yeah, the, the first few questions that I'm going to ask is what, what is your style of hunting? Yeah. You know, are you, are you primarily a hunter? Are you just target shooting? Are you doing both? Uh, those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, cause what's nice about somebody who might be doing both, you know, there's options for quick disconnect, uh, you know, so you can quick pull a stabilizer off, put another one on. So you're not having to sit there and, you know, twist one on, twist one off. Um, typically if you've got somebody that's both going to both hunt and target, they'll usually have a separate bow for each. So again, it it just kind of depends. What's the primary use going to be and, uh, what's your, what is your effective range? So if, you know, if it's a majority of, of archers out there who are hunters, typically they're, they're probably gonna, they're not going to want to probably spend a lot of money. So, you know, you're going to go something that, you know, we would probably recommend an acrylic stabilizer. Uh, it's a little bit on the um, more economical side as far as price goes, and it's going to have the, the higher dampening or the greater dampening properties as far as vibration and noise. So that's going to be kind of the ideal setup for that particular individual. Now, if I got a guy that's coming in and says, oh, I'm, you know, I want to get better at some of my long range shooting, that kind of, that kind of stuff. So then we're going to start maybe exploring some of the more high end options. Maybe you have an offset bracket where they can, um, you know, they can shoot that SS1 where they can shift the weight to the side forward and back. We've even got another option called the stasis that does that same thing, but there's a pivot point on the back. So now you can pivot it. And, and so now you have kind of an infinite adjustability in that stabilizer. And what's nice about that stasis is, is you can kind of move it from bow to bow to bow. Uh, and it's, and typically I haven't found too many people that can't find a good balance point with that stabilizer. Cause it literally has an infinite amount of adjustability. Okay. So in that sense, it could be the last, uh, stabilizer you ever buy that you could move from this bow to that bow. Now it's a little more on the expensive side, but again, if you're the kind of guy that likes to buy a new bow every year, but you don't want to have to invest in a new stabilizer every time you change your setup, that's a good option for you. So that's, that's typically the pitch that I would go with is just, you know, what are you shooting? How far are you shooting? Uh, you know, and then we can kind of cater it to them, to them from there. And then in our pro shop, obviously we've got an advantage over a lot of other pro shops because we've got every single option in house. So they can literally try everything we have before they walk out the door. Yeah. I'll tell you this, man. I, I, I like to shoot my deer, uh, especially whitetails, uh, from a tree stand or saddle or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, yep. 20 yards and in. I mean, that's just, that's how I, I, my goal is to get that close to them. Now out West, yeah. that's a completely different story. And I can definitely see how a stabilizer would be beneficial. I just need to go and do it. Right. I yeah. mean, longer mm-hmm. draw times, longer, uh, you know, cause it, I, f- I feel like this year my whitetail, uh, I drew back, centered it, pulled the trigger like that yeah. fast, that quick, that close. There's really, mm-hmm. you know, there's really no need for all this, ec- all the extra bells and whistles. But as you start yep. to take the longer shots, you know, 20 plus or hell in out West, you know, a 60 yard option or, or longer even, yeah. I can definitely see myself playing around with some more stabilizers as I, I start to progress in Western types hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And there's kind of a fine line there too, between, uh, you know, cause when, if you're out West or you're elk hunting or something like that, 
uh, and you still want to make sure that you're, you're somewhat compact and Mm -hmm. and you probably don't want to add too much weight because you're going to be carrying your bow through the mountains, you know, so you want to, you want to try to still keep it lightweight, but then you want to have the options to be able to add some weight on the front or add some weight on the end if you want, or on the backside, if you want those kinds of things. And then, um, the other, uh, factor that I was thinking about too, is, you know, with some stabilizers, you're going to, you know, if you have. Uh, a lot of guys like to use uh, thinner uh, overall diameter stabilizers, you know, smaller diameter because the wind can now have an effect right. on, on the stabilization because that wind is pushing that stabilizer over, you know, it's almost acting like a little bit of a sail. So mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, that could affect things too. And typically, I mean, of all the hunting I've ever done in the mountains, very rarely do I, are we in a situation where it's just completely calm? You know what I mean? You get right. gusts of wind that come up, you get all kinds of things like that. So things that you just have to take into consideration as well. Yeah, so. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the stokerized website and you've already mentioned this, you know, you kind of got a, anything from like a hundred dollars to 200 and almost $300. Um, yeah. how, how do you know, like where would be a good starting point for someone getting into stabilizers? We typically uh, recommend going right to the acrylic hunter. And so, like I said, the eight inches is probably the most popular, uh, but then you've got, you know, here in the Midwest, we've got a lot of guys that really like to keep it compact. So the, you can see there's the acrylic Hunter uh, G2, the six inch. And again, so now you're, you're not, you're not adding too much bulk. You're not adding too much length. So now you're still kind of staying compact, but the biggest feature that you're going to get from that stabilizer is that vibration reduction, um, which is really nice on the shot you know, because when you, when you've got a lot of vibration running through your bow, um, it just feels so much better to have a bow that's dead in your hand when you take that shot and it's, and it's, it's going to be quieter too, which is kind of a nice feature as well. So that's typically where we start, uh, with people. And then, you know, you can work your way up if you want something that's a little bit stiffer, if you want to go a little bit longer, we've got some aluminum options that are, it's fluted. So that adds some stiffness to it, but it's, it's, uh, uh, still a, a little bit on the lighter side and and it's a more economical material than say when you start getting into carbon again the carbon is really good because you can get it really stiff so you can add some length to it without it um, you know being too floppy because uh, that with the acrylic you'll notice that we can only go so long with those until it kind of turns into a wet noodle and now you're just defeating the purpose of even having the stabilizer on your bow so right. uh, so that that's typically where we start is with the acrylic hunter okay and then I take it the the stasis, right? One of the like the carbon stasis would be the the ultimate stabilizer for someone who shoots a lot, who is a backyard shooter and also a a serious bow hunter. Yes, absolutely. And and that's again like I was talking about before, that's your option that has um it's it's more likely that you're going to be able to move that uh stabilizer to your next setup without having to uh, you know, buy a new stabilizer, change up the setup a whole lot because it's just got so many uh, adjustability options gotcha. that it's it's your it's going to be your more universal option, and it's and it's still very compact. Yeah. So, is there anything that you could tell us on a uh, a weight versus length? Like, have do you have any studies to show that there is a maybe a sweet spot in your testing on how much weight 
is the best versus how much length out front or out back is the best? Honestly, um, I, I, I know that there are some folks out there that have done some of that testing. And since we've bought the company, uh, it's been, it's just been a whirlwind, right? So we've finally been able to start investing some time into, um, coming up with some new advancements with the current, uh, lineup that we have. And so we've been doing a lot of testing with that and we're still kind of doing some testing. So I can't really speak exactly to that, but I, I know that there is, there is some sweet spots where, you know, and again, depending on, um, the style of hunter or the style of archer that you are, uh, you know, we're, we're getting to that point where we're starting to get some more empirical data to figure out what's the most effective at what length. And, and, you know, so exactly like what you said before, I don't have anything that I could give you right now because right. we're still in the te testing phases. So. Gotcha. All right. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of options out there as far as brands are concerned with, uh, you know, with stabilizers. Yeah. Why should a guy pick stokerized? Uh, well, just because there's a lot of different features, you know, obviously everything is USA made. That's a big, that's a big plus. That's a big one. And, uh, you know, the other things are just the sheer number of options that we have. And in some cases, some people are like, oh man, there's just too many options. So I can't decide, but that's what we're here for. You know, again, we ask those questions. What, what is your purpose? What do you, what do you want to go do? And then we can recommend something from there. Mm -hmm. uh, not only that, but we've got several patents. We've got a patent on the off on the SS one offset bracket. We've got patents on the acrylic material. Um, and actually, and I, uh, I can't speak to it just quite yet, but we're doing some new things. Like I, uh, aforementioned earlier that, uh, to enhance what we currently have. Oh, and so we're going to have some more customization options. We're also going to have some better dampening properties. So there's a lot of new things that we're doing too, to try to, uh, you know, try to make our stabilizers the best they can possibly be. Awesome. And then our customer services, you know, it, we're pretty well, Vapor Trail has always been pretty well known for having just phenomenal customer service and Stokerize is no different. So yeah. anybody has a question or anything, we're more than happy to answer that question and our warranty. Um, you know, if anybody ever has an issue, just get a hold of us and we get them taken care of. Yeah. So. Uh, the other thing I like about what you guys do is you are, you are, I talk about this with companies like Vortex Optics or mm -hmm. let me look at the other one here. Uh, yeah, Vortex or tethered like those people who own and work in those companies are participants in the activity that they're selling products to not all companies right. can say that right right but you guys yeah. are bow hunters and you guys are archers and when you have people who do that in those companies there just seems to be a better connect with the end user thus resolving in just a better overall uh I guess company practice or success yep. or whatever you want to say, it all correlates with each mm -hmm. other. And so yep. kudos to you guys for, for being like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we have a, a pretty cool environment here that we can work in. And what's great is, is a lot of our employees are, are people who, uh, you know, have come in to, to get product from us. And then, and it's really kind of how I came to work for Vapor Trail as well, because I was, uh, you know, I was a bow technician at Sportsman's Warehouse and I was uh, wrenching on bows and we were ordering strings and cables from Vapor Trail and I was just stopping in to get some stuff mm -hmm. for a couple of my customers. And I'm like, man, you guys look really busy. 
And so that's where a lot of our employees come, come from is just people walking in the door who are hunters. Yeah. And, and for us in, in some cases, it's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case when it comes to certain positions here, but, uh, all of our management staff, uh, everybody has had their hand in hunting or, or in the outdoors in some way, shape or form. And everybody here shoots our products. So they know them like the back of their hand. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, you kind of talked me into starting to look for stabilizers and I got, <laughs> I got, I got to figure that out. So, uh, Ricky, man, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, yeah, man, no to, problem. To hop on and, and chat with us about Stoker eyes and stabilizers in general. And, and if people yeah. want to find out more information about either vapor trail or stokerized, where should we send them? Uh, well, you can send me an email. It's rick at vaportrailarchery.com. If you have any questions, uh, you can also just give the shop a call. Uh, the easiest number to remember is 888-BOWSTRING. That's B-W-S-T-R-N-G. So you can give us a buzz. That That's usually a little bit quicker. We can get uh, we can get to you faster. You can also, uh, you know, I, I do all the social media on the Vapor Trail and Stoker Eyes side of things. So you can send a message on Instagram or Facebook on either of those platforms, and, and I can respond to you there too as well. Perfect. All right, man. Well, hey, uh, thanks for taking time out, out of your uh, day yeah, to man. do this, and uh, good luck this upcoming season. Yeah, you too, brother. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it.